Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) What a blessing it is to connect with you by means of this podcast. Who knew? Who knew we could become so close? (laughs) I do feel close. It's great, really. Spirit is demonstrating the one life, the one mind, through connecting us in these amazing ways. So, we begin with a prayer of gratitude, so grateful and thankful to place my hand on my heart and wholeheartedly partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self, so grateful and thankful to give away the burdens of the world to the Holy Spirit and to allow ourselves to be lifted and shifted right here, right now. We are calling forth a healing at all levels. We are grateful to relinquish the blocks to love and to let love lead us, guide us, and direct us. We are grateful to declare our willingness to be truly helpful. We are consciously connecting with the infinite field of love. We are choosing to know and to remember our true identity. It's perfect, whole, and complete. This is our story, and our story is one of God's infinite glory. In gratitude, we share the benefits with our brothers and sisters because we're one with them. We let the healing be, and so it is. Amen, 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 amen. Ah. So our topic this week is living a guided life, living a guided life. And it's interesting to me what Jesus says to us in the text of A Course of Miracles. He basically says that we're afraid of God for a number of reasons. We're afraid of God and we're afraid of the guidance and that if we were to accept the guidance in our ego-identified mind, it would feel as though we were being deprived. That 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 would be what would happen, that uh, we would be guided to give up things that we need and that we want. And I know this from being a spiritual counselor for more than 20 years. When I talk with a counseling client and suggest that they work with, and and I know I've said this many times in the podcast, I might suggest that they work with an affirmation like, uh, thy will be done. And people will viscerally react and shrink back. "Ah, uh, No, 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 I don't want to do that. So there's this clarity that even the strongest spiritual students are frightened by the prospect 
of living in alignment with their mother, father, God's will. Course in Miracles, Jesus tells us that there are no separate wills, that there is only one will, and that's what we share with our Creator. So, God does not have a separate will from us. We are part of God, so we have the same will. In the illusion, there's the illusion of free will or a separate will. But it's an illusion. One of the key teachings of the Course that Jesus shares with us is to have, give all to all. In order to have more love, give love to all. In order to have more freedom, give freedom to all. In order to have more prosperity, give more prosperity to all. Share, share, share. You can only truly have and enjoy that which you're willing to share. And the Course is teaching us to have by extending. But it's so important that we also are receptive. So we can live a guided life, but we do have to become very receptive. Everything we receive, we receive from God. There is no other place to get it from. Although it might look like it, if everyone we meet is part of God, then everything we receive from another person is coming from God, because that person is part of God. Now, in the text, in chapter 11, section 8, which is entitled, The Problem and the Answer, Jesus tells us in paragraph 6, well, first of all, he starts the whole section with the sentence that says, this is a very simple course. So people think it's very complicated, but the the language can be uh, complicated so that we'll sit and decipher it and pay attention to it and not treat it lightly. But it is a very simple course. I've been studying it a while, and that is my assessment as well. Paragraph 6, Jesus says, The Holy Spirit will give you only what is yours and will take nothing in return. Now that's, think about your relationship with the Holy Spirit, your relationship with the Creator. What can you give to the Holy Spirit except your problems, the blocks to love, your false beliefs, your worries and troubles, What else can you give to the Holy Spirit who has everything? That's it. So the Holy Spirit will give you only what is yours and will take nothing in return. For what is yours is everything and you share it with God. That is its reality. Would the Holy Spirit, who wills only to restore... Be capable of misinterpreting the question you must ask 
to learn his answer. So that's the thing is we have already been given everything. Spirit has held nothing back. Spirit has not said, uh, let's give Jennifer everything but joy. Or let's give David everything but freedom. No. We've been given love. Love is everything. Love is all. Love contains the spiritual qualities of beauty and wisdom and clarity and all the other spiritual qualities. So we've already been given love because love is what we are. We've already got it, fully got it, 100%. Nothing held back. So that being the case, spirit can get nothing in return from us for having given us everything. This is helpful when we're really trying to grok the unity of all life. We've given everything to ourselves. We are who are part of God. God has already given everything to itself. So we have everything. And would the Holy Spirit, who wills only to restore, be capable of misinterpreting the question you must ask to learn his answer? In other words, can the Holy Spirit misunderstand us or misinterpret us? No, that's not possible. Jesus says, you have heard the answer but you've misunderstood the question. You believe that to ask for guidance of the Holy Spirit is to ask for deprivation. So that's what I was saying before, is that we have this fundamental core belief that if we align with the divine, we're going to have to make sacrifices and give things up that we do not want to give up. And one of the most repetitive messages in the Course that Jesus has for us is you don't have to give anything of value up. This is what the development of trust is all about, is recognizing there's not one thing that's truly valuable that we would have to give up. Because everything that's truly valuable is ours forever. The thing is, is we're not using it clearly and correctly. Jesus goes on to say in paragraph 7 here, Little child of God, you do not understand your father. You believe in a world that makes, that takes rather, because you believe that you can get by taking. And by that perception, you have lost sight of the real world. So, we can live by guidance if we realize that we are entitled to miracles and that everything that spirit has, it would like to share with us and not hold anything back. Think of the most magnanimous parent who has wonderful things to share, wonderful uh, 
textiles and beautiful uh, artwork and beautiful music and beautiful nature, access to nature and and beautiful poetry and plays and food and all manner of delightful, wonderful, wonderful things. And the parent would like only for the child to partake of them, to fully enjoy them, and to delight in them, and to be lifted up by them. So this is the kind of parent that we have in the invisible realm. and But we don't trust it. We don't trust it. We do not understand our Creator. We believe in a world that takes because we believe that we can get by taking. And so we don't believe that we will be provided for, that we need do nothing. So these are some of the key points that Jesus is helping us to see that we've misunderstood, that we've been mistaken, that truly we need do nothing. And the only reason why we feel we must do many, many, many things is because we do not feel worthy. So we think because we don't feel worthy, we have to make our own. We have to take from other people. We have to make our own source of abundance. We have to make our own goodness. All of these things we must make because we do not deserve to be given to. Once again, there it is, the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son does not feel worthy. So if we can realize we are worthy and nothing we've done or not done, no error we've ever made will make us unworthy. But you see, we believe that what other people have done will make them unworthy. So they feel, we feel that uh, if they've treated us poorly, they're unworthy of love. They're unworthy of good treatment. They're unworthy of all kinds of things. And so we struggle with this until we're willing to give it up, until we're willing to realize this is a story that we made up. This is a story that we made up. I don't know about you, but I find that sometimes people make up stories about me. They impose their perceptions, projections, and beliefs on me. And then I come to find out sometimes that people are upset with me about something. And they say, well, you think this about me. And I'm like, I do? Why would I think that about you? Well, of course you think it about me because of this and this. And I can honestly say sometimes I, I've never had those thoughts, honestly. I never occurred to me to think those thoughts about you. What? Of course you think those things of me. I do? I, I'm not aware of it. What makes you think that, that? Well, I mean, why wouldn't you? And so people literally project onto others 
thoughts they don't want to experience because they believe them about themselves. They believe they're bad and wrong, and so they're thinking everybody else does too. And one of the most challenging things sometimes for me as a spiritual counselor is working with someone who feels really unworthy and has a million reasons why they're unworthy. They're so convinced that they would actually prefer to convince me that they are unworthy than to know the truth, which is that they are worthy. All are worthy. But you see, therein lies the rub, because if they're worthy, everyone is worthy. And do they want everyone to be worthy? Are they willing to have everyone be worthy? So, when it comes to receiving guidance and being guided as a way of living, living a guided life, living by divine sight, it does take a great willingness to give up those perceptions and the projections, the opinions and the judgments. It it takes a great willingness to say, if it's not making me happy, it must not be true. And, you know, here's the thing. We are all the bringers of light. This is our job to do. We are the light that lighteth up every man, woman, and child in this world. And when we don't feel worthy, we don't like the idea of being responsible for being the light. Many times we would rather focus on the darkness and complain about the darkness and tell everything we know about the darkness than focus on the light. Because we don't feel worthy of the light that we are, that we already are. Being receptive to guidance requires us to recognize that we are worthy and that we can give up the blocks to love and we can live a guided life. And yes, we are going to be guided away from the things that distract us from love we have collectively come to feel that love is painful that love is too hard that being in intimate loving relationships is too difficult many of us have come to feel that being in a an intimate loving relationship is really scary and that it's frightening because we're vulnerable. Why are we vulnerable? We're vulnerable because we are thinking attack thoughts. 
Those who are truly loving are invulnerable. And so when we are are really being loving, really being open-hearted and open-minded, then we are not vulnerable. We are not. And we can move out of that fear of love if we're willing. If we're willing to put the Holy Spirit in charge. And again, this would require us to follow guidance. And the guidance is going to lead us to be kind and compassionate and caring with people who are needy, with people who are needy, who are sometimes aggressive bullies and unloving, unkind people. And so it will seem as though, oh, they could be really hurtful to me. But here's the thing. If we are wounded by people making stuff up about us, if we are wounded by people saying unkind, untrue things, don't we have to be somehow in agreement with them? Because if a total stranger accuses you of something that you didn't do and don't know anything about, would it really bother you that much unless you don't feel good about yourself and they're triggering that? It's not their fault you don't feel good about yourself. That's your thing, not their thing. And in a very real way, that person is doing us a favor. They are. They're calling to our attention our dysfunctional thoughts and beliefs about ourselves, about life, and that means we can do something about it. So nobody loves to be triggered, but when we're triggered, we don't have to interpret it as a wound. What it's doing is it's reminding us of a wound from the past. And the wounds from the past are the decisions that we made in the past, the interpretations that we made in the past. It's our impression, our belief about what happened in the past that is being brought to our attention again. Now, what happened in the past could have been a hundred lifetimes ago. It doesn't matter. Past is past. Future is future. Now is now. And what matters is right now. Basically, that higher Holy Spirit self is saying, listen, pay attention. Do not brush this under the rug. Right now, I'm in the midst of my self-sabotage challenge, the end of my self-sabotage challenge, which uh, I'm not sure when I'll do it again. So, so good, though, because it's about recognizing the triggers and getting out in front of them. It's about not 
allowing ourselves to be in these cycles of self-sabotage and, of course, self-medication is one of the most popular forms of self-sabotage. Certainly, for me, it was my nemesis, really, is that I would get triggered and I would collapse into a myriad of forms of self-sabotage and self-medication. And what is the purpose of self-sabotage? To slow down our spiritual growth. That's the whole purpose of it. What is resistance and reluctance? It's putting the brakes on our spiritual growth. Why would we do that? Because we do not wish to receive the guidance. Because we fear the guidance is going to tell us we have to give up what we love. But just think about it for one minute. Could the beloved, the creator, the infinite mother, father, God, ever have a use for us giving up that which is healthy, harmonious, prosperous, beautiful, imbued with spiritual qualities of love and perfection? No. No, but you see, we do become enamored of the darkness and the dankness and playing small in a myriad of ways until we cannot take it anymore. But we don't have to wait that long to make a change. Right now, I have to make a change (laughs) because it's time for me to take a break, and there's no way around that. While we're on this break, I invite you to go to jenniferhadley.com and check out all the good things there. You're listening to Jennifer Hadley on Unity Online Radio. We're talking about A Course of Miracles. We're talking about walking the talk, living the love, and I'll be right Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for joining me today. Whatever day it is for you, may it be a good day. Talking about guidance and allowing ourselves to fully receive the guidance that we get. I don't remember, but I think I did mention this recently. I uh, I have wanted to get a dog for ever. Seriously. I went to college in Boston. I lived in an apartment. I couldn't possibly have had a dog at that point. It would have been too much for me. Really, and I then moved to New York. I was living in New York in Manhattan, and I had multiple roommates and My lifestyle was such that I wasn't home a lot uh because I had a very full time job working at the New York Shakespeare Festival. I was in the theater business at that time. that was my career theater, and I was interested in moving into music management, rock and roll, music management. But uh, I studied theater in college and the business of theater. And I 
got a job working at the New York Shakespeare Festival. I was working on the road companies of A Course in, a Course in Miracles, a chorus line, a chorus line, and Pirates of Penzance, and then other things. And uh, I worked in a few different departments at the New York Shakespeare Festival uh, for quite a few years, and that was a huge blessing to me. I really loved my time there. When I was working there, Joe Papp was still alive. Uh, I worked for his wife, Gail Merrifield, for a while in the uh, play development department. And I just loved my time at the New York Shakespeare Festival. And so when I was working, and then I produced my own play, which I co-wrote with my brother, and we co-produced it together. So that was most of the 80s for me, was working at the New York Shakespeare Festival, uh, working on our own play, raising the money, producing it off-Broadway, producing it for PBS television. They had a a series called American Playhouse that was very popular at the time, and they asked us to uh, make a TV production of it. And so, um, yeah, that was most of the 80s. I did also have a time in there when I worked for Billy Idol's manager, uh, which uh, was the, the period where I sunk into suicidal, um, wanting to kill myself. And uh, it's also what drove me to find a better way and spirituality. But um, when I worked at the theater, uh, I went to the theater many nights a week. And uh, I went out with friends, and I went out dancing and all of these things. So I had a very active life. I couldn't possibly have had a dog. And um, I, and then I moved to Maine. I could have had a dog then, but I, I think that I knew I wasn't going to be in, on Deer Isle in Maine for that long. So I didn't think about getting a dog then. And then I moved to L.A., and I would have loved to have had a dog in L.A. I lived in the same apartment for 22 years, and they did not allow pets in the building. And it was such a great apartment. I had such a great deal on it. I didn't want to move. It was such a great location, a great space. Everything about it was great. So I didn't have uh, a dog at that time. And then... um, and also, I, I had in my mind, if there's no doggy door, there's no dog. Because if every time the dog needs to go to the bathroom, I have to go with it, which, of course, is what is happening now as, with the puppy. But that's okay. It's temporary. Uh, I said, I, it, living in an apartment, I just can't get dressed and go outside every time the dog needs to use the bathroom. And the dog has a right to go to the bathroom when it would like to. So that to me was also a deal breaker because I didn't have the money. I barely could support myself a lot of the time. So I didn't have the money to have a house with a yard and things like that. At least I didn't think so, right? Now I understand manifestation better. Now I have a house with a huge, huge yard. Uh, acres of yard. And uh, so I, talking about receiving divine guidance, in 
I've been planning to get a dog. I wanted to get one last year. Uh, and I had to move from the house I was in because it was sold. And then when I moved into the new house, I told the owners as I rent, uh, I, I'm going to get a dog. And then my roommate um, said he couldn't deal with a dog right then. He had some health stuff going on. So I waited until I I was just waiting, really, for Spirit to tell me, go get their dog. And in mid-July, basically, I think it was like a Sunday evening, I got this really strong feeling, go get your dog now. So I knew I wanted to get an English cream golden retriever because I love golden retrievers. My parents had two golden retrievers. And for me, there's just no going back from once you fall in love with the golden retrievers. And so I have a good friend who has golden retrievers, and he suggested getting the English creams because supposedly they live longer and they they're healthier. So uh, I, I I called him up the next day or that night. I texted him and said, "It's time. I need to get a dog. Do you have any ideas for me?" So he sent me to the breeder that he went to in New Jersey. And here's the other thing: why I didn't want to get a pound puppy. Of course, I would love prefer in many, many ways to get a pound puppy. But I knew I wanted to train the dog to be a service dog that I could take to veterans hospitals, to children's hospitals, to um, convalescent homes, places like that, where they can really use that dog love energy. And so I, I know that Golden Retrievers are, I think, along with Poodles, the most loving, considered the most loving family dogs there are. And also um, Golden Retrievers, as well as Poodles, are uh, uh, right after German Shepherds considered, I believe, the smartest dogs there are. So the highly, highly trainable. And Golden Retrievers, particularly female Golden Retrievers, um, they they will never be a guard dog. They they, uh, and I see this with the puppy. She sees a person, she is like instantly in love. Her tail is wagging. She's like, oh my god, a new person to love. I can't wait. Yes, let's get together and love each other. So she she has even like big burly tattooed guys will come over to her and get down on the ground and and hug her and kiss her. It's crazy how it's just a love festival wherever she goes. So I knew this was what I was being guided to. So I got that call and then I reached out to the breeder. They said they had um uh a puppy who was uh, three months old. Well, I had hoped to get a puppy who was two months old. So about eight weeks is when they uh, let them leave their mother. They're old enough to make that move. I really had a desire, as you could understand probably, to really have that puppy time and to really deeply bond with the puppy and but my guidance was even this even though this was an older puppy that this was my puppy 
And so I, I immediately made arrangements, rescheduled things in order to drive to New Jersey and get her. And uh, it was a little bit of an ordeal. Had to do an overnight on the way back. I didn't want to do six hours in the car with her, and which she would hate. I've just hated that. She hated three hours and three hours. So uh, we stayed overnight in a hotel, and I just got such a strong feeling that was the time. So when you get a strong feeling like that, you don't question the logistics. I actually felt stressed out for a couple of days because I thought, I have to get all the stuff for a puppy, all the accoutrement. You know, I'm going to need a, a um, crate and uh, I'm going to need puppy, all kinds of puppy stuff that I don't have. And I'm going to have to figure it out. And I don't have, I've I got to get gates. And it's, I, I live out in the boons and Amazon takes a long time to deliver things sometimes. I can't figure it out. Sometimes you can get something the next day. Sometimes it's 12 days, you know. So I knew I'd have to figure all these things out. And I had a very full schedule. And now I had an even more full schedule because I was moving all kinds of things to make room for the trip. But my guidance was clear. So I didn't question my decision. And that's the beauty of being able to live by divine guidance. You don't question the decisions. You just go for it. And what you need will be provided. So, of course, uh, and I could make a long list of how everything was provided for me on the trip. But let's just say it all worked out and it worked out well and oh my goodness Bodhi is her name uh, and I intend to get a kitten probably in in the next couple of weeks uh, as a playmate and a companion for Bodhi Bodhi is the smartest sweetest dog she is so, so good. It's crazy how good she is. Uh, last night uh, was the first time in Masterful Living class where she wasn't completely sleeping through the whole thing or quietly playing. She was barking, and I think there's so much insanity in the world right now. Everybody's kind of barking mad. <laughs> She was just relentless. She wanted to play. She was barking at me, come now, come now. Which she only barks when she's really excited and she would like something. So, for instance, I'm preparing food for her and she can smell it. If I take too long, she starts barking at me. I found these wonderful puzzle things for, I think I should um, maybe start some kind of... um, you can post on Facebook. I don't really look at messages, but I'm I'm going to start getting my act together and posting more things of Bodhi on Facebook and our journey together, maybe Instagram. You could put things in the comments if you have, su- excuse me, suggestions for me. Uh, I, I feel guided all the time with her. I will get these messages. She needs to go out in the next few minutes. 
And if I get distracted and forget about it, which is easy to do, boom, she pees on the pads. We have had three full days where there was no peeing in the house. She stopped peeing in the night uh, a while ago. She She's just coming on four months old today. And uh, she hasn't peed in the night in weeks. Three and a half months. She, she, she should only be able to hold it for three, maybe four hours. But she can hold it all night long. She is amazing. And she's so smart. We've got uh, geese started arriving in the fields um, just a couple days ago in their mig- migration. We have these huge fields, and they love to um, forage in the field and sleep in the field. It's the perfect place for them. And uh, the first morning she saw them, she <laughs> we were walking. I was waiting to see how long it would take her to see the geese. And she saw them, and she was like, oh, my God, what is that? What is that? But she doesn't go after them. She knows. She's a retriever, so she knows, don't disturb the birds. Don't disturb the birds. There's nothing to retrieve here. Don't don't mess with the birds. She's so smart, and um, I haven't really leash-trained her much because she stays with me, and she comes when I call 70% of the time. Sometimes I have to let her go or go after her. Anyway, she does communicate with me intuitively, and I get spiritual guidance that really helps me with her. And I'm so grateful for that. You know, sometimes people will say, don't you want to do this thing or that thing? related to whatever in life. And I'll tune in. No, no, not interested. And they're like, but why not? It's such a good idea. It's such I and I can honestly say, I'm just not feeling it. Just not feeling it. Like, yeah, that sounds great. But I'm not feeling it. And being able to follow my guidance is my way of honoring the one who sent me. So if you think of the truly helpful prayer, I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent the one who sent me. I don't have to worry about what to say or what to do or where to go or when because the one who sent me will direct me. The one who sent me does direct me. I'm content to be wherever spirit wishes, knowing that God goes there with me always at all times. And I am healed as I let spirit teach me to heal. If you're willing, if I am willing I can recognize that everything I need will be provided to me when I follow the guidance. So before I was following the guidance as my way of living, I struggled financially. I made poor financial decisions 
And I felt guilty about that. I felt ashamed of that. And then because I felt guilty and ashamed about so many things, mostly because here I am, a spiritual student, struggling to live these teachings, knowing that I have the information, but I'm not following it. Knowing that I am here only to be truly helpful, but so much of the time, being angry, annoyed, frustrated, irritated, vengeful. Yesterday in Masterful Living, uh, we were talking about turning a cold shoulder on people, shutting them out. You know, it might be for two hours, might be for a day or several days. I've had hundreds of conversations with people who experience their own turning away from the people they love most, shutting them out, shutting them down. And they also experience uh, the the same thing happening to them, that people stop talking to them, shut them out, that people will go cold on them, uh, people that live with them, people who are friends, co-workers. This is a common human behavior in relationship that when people feel wounded and hurt and angry and upset and they don't know how to deal with it, they just go cold. They withdraw. They punish through going cold and withdrawing. Sometimes they're just overwhelmed and they don't know what to do or to say. They can't handle their own feelings. They don't understand their own feelings. Many times people will go after those people, like, tell me how you're feeling, tell me how you're feeling. But they don't understand how they're feeling and they can't explain it. When we're tuned into the guidance and the inspiration, we can get so much clarity in order to be truly helpful with our the people around us in the field around us who are suffering. So then we don't have to attack them or make them wrong or bad because they're overwhelmed. And we don't have to do the same to ourselves. We can gently, sweetly sit with ourselves not make ourselves wrong or bad. And we don't have to punish other people and act out and become dramatic or withdrawn. None of those things has to happen. It's extraordinary how much healing can occur if we are willing. If we're willing, if we're willing, if we're willing. But you see, we resist following the guidance. I don't want to be compassionate with those people. They don't deserve my willingness. I want to punish them because they're not doing what I want them to do. They're not behaving the way I want them to behave. I think of all the conversations I've had with people. Like, my my husband just uh, asked me to pick out my gifts. He doesn't want to plan a special party for me the way I like to do that for him. And it makes me so mad. Can't he see that that's how I express love and I need him to express love to me that way too? Otherwise, he's just, he doesn't really care. He can't be bothered to think about what would really delight me. Well, that's not the case. Maybe that's not his skill set. It's your skill set. It's your love language. It's not his. 
So don't punish him for it. Don't hate on him for it. But I understand that's exactly the kind of thing I would have done. So mad they don't get me. So mad they don't bother to try to understand me. So mad that they're projecting their stuff on me. But I'm doing the same thing. If that's where my mind is circulating, how can I possibly receive the loving guidance? Because all inspiration and guidance is the vibration of love. If I'm thinking unloving attack thoughts, if I'm feeling guilty and ashamed, I won't be able to be a vibrational match for the guidance. I won't be interested in the still small voice until I'm willing to be loving with myself and with others. So being willing to be loving with myself and others is the key that opens the door to being able to fully receive and accept the guidance that is always available, always live streaming 100% of the time. If we're awakened in the night and the guidance is to pray for something we don't even know, just pray for the world or pray for a person we just met that day, and we think, I want to go back to sleep. I don't want to pray. We've lost our mind. You see, we're not in our right mind because we're thinking in such a limited way. Oh, if I get up and pray for two hours for that person, I'm going to be tired in the morning. I may not get back to sleep. I won't feel good. It's going to ruin my day, blah, blah, blah. That's crazy. If we get up and pray, what's going to happen? We're going to be refreshed, renewed, restored. Of course we will because we will be replenished in the field of love by being in that prayerful, prayerful state. Of course we will. This is something that happens to me on a regular basis. I don't wake up, you know, once I go back to sleep, I don't wake up feeling exhausted. No. I don't feel exactly the same, but I don't feel bad or worse for wear. I've been in a deep field of love with my creator. I am being truly helpful. I am living my purpose. How could that in any way ever diminish me? That's such crazy thinking. When we're in the flow of love, we are inspired. When we're in the flow of love, we are being nourished. We're being rejuvenated. We're being revitalized. People constantly tell me, how do you have so much energy? It's not because I'm mostly gluten-free or mostly vegan. or Because I've had a lot of energy for a long time, and I do still eat meat and I drink coffee, and that coffee is not the source of my energy. Love is. So plugging into the field of love is life-changing. And (laughs) I'm almost out of time. So I would like to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people who support this podcast. If this podcast is meaningful for you, please help me by writing a review wherever you get your podcast from. And also, please consider becoming a supporting 
donator to Power of Love Ministry, which produces this podcast along with Unity Radio. Also, my Stop Playing Small retreat is in just a few weeks, starts September 10th. If you're ready to change your life, if you're ready to do some deep work, it looks like September, a lot of people are going to be home. It's online. Come join me. Let's take that breath of love. Tune into jenniferhadley.com if you feel called. We're tuning into the Holy Spirit right now. We give thanks for this life of love that we are living. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. Amen, amen, amen. Mwah. <laughs> 